Hey guys, Cable here, and this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by Pyro Putty. This is a product that uh, I'm very excited about as far as reinventing the wheel when it comes to fire starting technology. You can get Pyro Putty wet, it's still going to light. You can attach it to a wet log, it's going to burn long enough to start a fire on that wet wood. So when it comes to boosting morale in the backcountry, what what is better than a a warm fire, right? There's nothing. You get home from a long day, back to camp. You've been chasing elk through the mountains or mule deer or whatever for you know, from sunup to sundown. You're cold and you're wet, and you can't get a fire started. Not because you don't have a fire starter, but because that fire starter doesn't do the job. Pyro Putty does, and you can find it at pyroputty.com. It's a size of about a can of dip. That's all it is. And inside that can of dip, you got a seven-hour burn time. You put a, a piece the size of a nickel on a stick, and it's going to burn for eight to ten minutes. It's Pyro Putty. You need it in your backcountry kit. It's going to boost morale. Could save your life. You never know. Uh, but you can find it at pyroputty.com. Just like all the rich folks do. Tonight we're fishing off the jetty. Counting stars until the dawn. Grab that fishing pole tighter, son. I think you got a big one on. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Little Gary P. Nunn, Redneck Riviera, kicking things out for us on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith. It is great to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. also want to thank Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris, our longtime presenting sponsors. Uh, man, we've got... A lot to get into today. I can't believe it. Hunting season is officially here. We've got dove season opening up. Uh, hunters will be taking to the fields and letting lead shot fly in, oh gosh, I don't know. I know that Michigan is a weird state. They don't even have a dove season, and yet they have like the third or fourth largest morning dove population in the country. So that's a little odd. <laughs> but for the rest of us, I can't wait to get out there. Bell is fired up. My kids are looking forward to to going dove hunting. Uh, they're not shooting, of course. They're six, four, and four. But little Stella Ray, <laughs> she has been waiting literally all year. Dad, when do we get more dove hearts? Dad, when do we get more dove hearts? See, I take those little hearts out, put them on a toothpick, put a little dry rub on there, and throw them on the uh, grill. And it is literally her favorite thing in the world. So. She can stop beating me up over that. Hopefully, I'll shoot straight and we can actually bring home some dove hearts. Um, here's what's on the docket for today. We are going to kick things off with a, a pretty cool roundtable I've got lined up for you. Uh, Brad Luttrell of Go Wild, Ross Copperman of First Light, and outfitter Jordan Bud will be here. We've got We've got a $4,500 mule deer hunt and I think like $2,500 worth of first light gear that that winner will get to wear on the mule deer hunt. Uh, they'll be going hunting with me next fall in Nebraska. So a pretty cool sweepstakes that is going on there uh, thanks to Go Wild and First Light for putting that thing on. And we're going to tell you all about that, plus get into some of the censorship issues we're seeing today on social media. People who like to hunt, own guns, or really just seem to love America are getting crapped on left and right, getting censored. I'm being told what I can and can't even view 
on Instagram. That's new. Uh, usually they like to tell me what I can and can't say. They'll delete photos. Now they're telling me, hey, you, you decided you didn't want to see photos like that. I never said that. Give me a break. Uh, so lots of stuff to get into with Brad. He is a kind of an expert in that realm, and that led to the creation of Go Wild, which we'll explain more about here in just a little bit. So we're going to spend a couple segments with Brad, Ross, and Jordan, and then uh, we'll shift gears and head down to the coast and get into some regulatory changes regarding spotted sea trout. Also sharks, what's going on with red snapper, all that good stuff. When it comes to coastal fisheries, nobody knows more than our uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife Coastal Fisheries Director, Robin Rikers. And if you live in another state, you know, especially in the Gulf of Mexico, it's relative because all of the state wildlife uh, coastal fisheries directors serve on NACA and other various entities that oversee uh, sport fishing, especially in, well, in quotas, especially in uh, federal waters. So lots of stuff to get into with Robin. We're going to really focus on the, uh, the trout as well because people need to know that that bag limit is being reduced. And we'll get into why um, TPWD decided to go that route. Meanwhile, in Louisiana, <laughs> you can catch 15 trout. So anyway, lots to get into with Robin. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. I am certainly excited about it. A couple other things to mention. Next week, I will officially put those first light Lone Star Outdoors show caps um, in Cypher. I'll put those up for sale, and I will include a can of Lone Star Outdoors show pyro putty. Uh, so we're going to get all of that up and running next week. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I've got a giveaway for you. I'm going to give away one of those caps. It's the uh, First Light Trucker Cap in Cypher with my logo on it in bright orange. And then the uh, Pyro Putty can with our logo on it as well. So just email. We're going to make it so easy today. Just email Lone Star. That's Lone Star to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered into this week's giveaway. Also, don't forget to send in those outdoor photos to the same email address, Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, and you'll be entered to win one of our monthly photo of the month contest, and that will get you an entry into our grand prize photo of the year hunt down at Coons Canyon Ranch, where one of y'all will hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me at the beautiful Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. Uh, so send in your photos. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's a great roundtable discussion coming at you with Brad Luttrell, Jordan Budd, and Ross Copperman. We do it next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Looking for dove in all the wrong places. Shooting off the bases. Are you tired of waking up at 2 a.m. to fight public land skybusters? Cable here for Three Crow Outfitters and their new North Texas Duck Club, which consists of over 3,000 acres and 40 water bodies throughout Ellis and Navarro counties. Three Crow does the planting, provides metal blinds, decoys, and posts a weekly scouting report. All you and your buddies do is reserve the property you want and show up to hunt. This opportunity is limited to 10 four-person memberships, so for the waterfowling experience of your lifetime, go to threecurl.com or call 214-641-8097 today. 
Howdy, folks. I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years' experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots, 500 tree stands, and over 80 box blinds. The guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant Midwest bucks. Golden Triangle Whitetail hunts the Illinois archery, shotgun, and muzzleloader season. They have a full-time chef and excellent lodging. Book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today. Yeah, you call him to say have a good show. Well, hey, I'm doing all right, Mama. I'm okay. I know you late night talks with Jesus have held me on my way. I know it wasn't always easy raising my father's son. Mama song's name of that one there from our good friend Cody Jinks bringing us back on the Lone Star. Outdoor show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith here riding shotgun with you today. Thanks for dropping by. I do appreciate it. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players as well. Man, uh, we've got a great discussion, a roundtable discussion to get into here regarding well, the biggest giveaway that we've ever done in 10 years of the show's history. And man, we've given away, I don't know, 50 guns, a bajillion coolers, scopes, binos, uh, hunts, but nothing like this one. And while I'm not the one that facilitated this hunt, I get to be a part of it. And that's pretty cool. And one of y'all will get to be a part of it as well. And we're going to go into a lot of detail coming up here with uh, Go Wild's Brad Luttrell. First Lights, Ross Copperman, and Outfitter Jordan Bud of Running Water Hunting. So we're going to take this thing by the horns and get right down to it here in just a second. But first, this segment is proudly brought to you by First Light Sawbuck Pant. I tell you what, if you haven't seen the Sawbuck, go to the website and check it out. This It's very quickly become one of my favorite pieces uh, because if you're hunting in any situation where things are going to cut you, scratch you, scrape you, I'm thinking thorns, um, briars, cactus, basically upland hunting or some, you know, backcountry hunting where you're in that type of terrain, then this is the pant for you. It's got basically a brush guard that's going to keep that stuff off of you while still maintaining the breathability that you can only find in First Light's gear. So check it out. It's the Sawbuck pant. You can go to firstlight.com, see for yourself. First Light, go further, stay longer. All right. Well, with that being said, let's bring on uh, this great group of folks here joining me now. Go Wild's Brad Luttrell, uh, Outfitter Jordan Bud, and First Light's Ross Copperman. Thanks for being here, y'all. Thanks for having us. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hope everyone had a great summer. Um, we're gonna. I'm going to ask each one of you to give me a highlight of your summer. Uh, we've got a lot to get into today, um, but uh, just to kind of keep things organized, I'm going to throw it to uh, Brad first. Um, what was the what was the coolest thing that you did this summer, man? Man, I've gotten to do a lot of traveling this year with Go Wild, and it's not really the kind of uh, traveling that people necessarily think about. A lot of it's been business-oriented, but I've gotten to do some fishing this summer. I, 
went after some walleye and steelhead up on Lake Michigan, and we ended up hammering cat, uh, catfish and sheep's head, so that was all right. And then I tried my first go. You know, I'm a Kentucky guy, so we don't get to surf fish very often, but I tried my first go at that in Florida, and it didn't shake out too well, but I always <laughs> love trying something new. Yeah, right on. So you've been wetting the line this summer, no doubt. Awesome stuff there. Yeah. Uh, Ross, what about you? Probably the same uh, neighborhood. I went down, and uh, I'm very fortunate. A friend of mine is a tarpon captain and uh, ended up landing a uh, mature tarpon on a fly down in the um, Florida Keys area. So that was the first, and it was pretty cool. And fighting a 100-pound fish for, you know, 40 minutes was quite an experience. I was pretty psyched. Oh, that's cool. I've never actually caught a tarpon, so I'm jealous there, no doubt. Uh, and Jordan, what about you? Uh, we've, we haven't done any fishing at all. Uh, we've done a lot of... Um, a lot of backpacking. We did a couple of backpacking trips and scouting trips out in Wyoming for a mule deer tag. And man, that's pretty much it. Just trying to get a stand set and get actually some more property uh, leased. And yeah, that's pretty much it for us. Okay. And, and you're based out of where? We're based out in Nebraska, uh, northwest Nebraska, right where we run the, the outfitting operation as well. So uh, the little town of Rushville. Okay. And, it, and you know, I know Nebraska has a, quite a few areas uh, where you have um, mule deer and whitetail. Is, are you guys mostly mule deer or do you have both species? Uh, we have both species, you know, mostly whitetail. Our whitetail population is really growing and it actually pushes the mule deer out. So um, we're right along the river. So that, that doesn't, that doesn't help anything much. I would, ra- I would actually rather that we had more mule deer. Uh-huh. Um, but the whitetail are just more aggressive and it just kind of pushes the mule deer out. So really limited on the mule deer, um, hunts that we do and, and opportunities, but yeah, we do have both. Okay. Very cool. Um, so kind of in the same vein, um, I want to get into what everyone has planned for this fall. And then after that, we'll, uh, we'll talk about this awesome sweepstakes that we have going on. Uh, so, so Jordan, let's, let's start with you. Uh, what are you most excited about for this coming hunting season? Oh, man. Um, I drew a, a Wyoming mule deer tag, but it, uh, I've been in that unit a bunch, and there's a bunch of good deer. We scouted some good deer and then um, have quite a few filming uh, hunt, or hunts that I'm going to film this fall as well. Um, some Some stuff in Idaho, kind of central Idaho, and then going to be in western wyoming uh, a little bit too with a couple of companies filming so that's that's kind of my big deal right now awesome and ross what about you man i actually saw on uh first lights instagram the other day you were cooking up a a nice uh pronghorn backstrap and you had this little phrase there missiles to guns why don't you tell us what that means exactly (laughs) Oh boy, that's one of those things I regret saying. That's why they don't put me on camera very often. Um, I liked it. I, I liked was just it. referring to the fact that I'd been drinking uh, whiskey for the first probably hour of filming, and then decided I had to feather the brakes a little bit and switch to cold beers. So it's kind of like going from missiles to guns, that's right? Uh, you know, just keeping it keeping it on the rails. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, for my fall, I'd say the theme is I actually drew a um, local late, so 
mid-December muzzle loader elk tag. Hmm. That's kind of exciting because I might get to hunt and skis for the first time. Oh, wow. It's always been a dream of mine, but I, now that I'm thinking about the practicality of it, I think it's more going to be like a nightmare. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, certainly never hunted elk here in December. Uh, you know, we're, we're in the Rockies, so that's a lot of snow potentially. Um, and I don't know, the mode of transportation, the just things that we take for granted on normal hunts are going to become more of a factor. I think that'll be interesting. Um, also doing a muzzleloader hunt in Western Washington with my brother-in-law. And the thing that makes it, I think, probably the most exciting is I've never done a muzzleloader hunt before. I've oh, wow. always just archery or rifle hunted. So I've been uh, shooting the smoke pole, as they say. And um, unexpectedly, it's it's kind of addicting. It's super fun. It's so simple. You know, in Idaho, we're, we have to have a uh, Western mission. The primer has to be exposed. We can't have optics. Um, so it really is a little bit more primitive, at least. Yeah. I know by the loaders have come a long way, and, and, you know, oftentimes they're just as accurate as a rifle out to a certain range. But um, at least Idaho kind of limits you as to what you can do. And it's been a lot of fun learning how to do it and getting back to iron sights. I haven't done that since I used to shoot a thirty thirty, and um, I'm excited. It should be something different. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've hunted mule deer in Colorado, and they have the same um, optics restrictions. No, no optics on top of the uh, old smoke pole. So, yeah, it definitely it definitely uh, increases the difficulty level. No doubt about that. What about you, Brad? Yeah. Well, Cable, I know as a Texas guy, you appreciate the doves. You can't overlook doves. It's one of my favorite things to to hunt. Needs just high action. Uh, always a great kickoff to to hunting season. Absolutely. I am hoping to do some uh, early arch- archery on whitetail in in central Kentucky, and then I've got a, a, a slot planned where I'm going to try to get after whitetail in archery season. Uh, right, usually right pre rut uh, in eastern Kentucky, where it's a little bit rougher of a population down there and then there's a chance i'm going to do a bear hunt in eastern kentucky um the population's kind of boomed over the last 10 or 15 years and the tags uh tag volume's gone up but they do a um it's like a it's a um at the end of each day the season can end so last year we went and you know the, the quota was met and we you have to drive out to get phone service and you know you spent the whole day and then you find out you can't you're camping for nothing uh but it's still fun but i think i'm st- we're maybe going to do that this year which will be uh exciting I, i've never i've only gone bear hunting for one day which was the day i just mentioned <laughs> yeah. i know a lot about it from podcasts and reading about it uh so i have a lot of theoretical knowledge but applied knowledge is totally different so uh we'll see how that goes but i'm, I'm actually most excited about the potential to do that very cool very cool yeah my uh my bear hunting experience is is uh well somewhere in the middle you know, I did a uh, Alberta hunt where you have a guide hold your hand to the tree stand, you know, and uh, and that was cool. Shot a couple bears up there, but uh, and then I did a uh, Montana black bear hunt last spring. Had no luck. Uh, saw a bunch of grizzly bears, but no shooter black bears. So uh, anyway, but you guys though, Brad, y'all have one of the most um, I would say um, hotly demanded tags in the entire country, as far as a lot of people don't realize it but i think you know the cat's out of the bag on kentucky's elk population at this point do you put in for those tags i do i put in for all four um it's just it's so contested it's really tough to get Mm -hmm. um i don't know the ins and outs of the landowner system i believe there's some uh you know you can get a tag with money essentially if you're you know someone and and can uh, pay them 
Uh, again, I'm not definitely not uh, educated enough on how the landowner tags work, but I believe you can get access to those if you have enough property or and you're in certain zones. But it is a really healthy population. I mean, I'm told it's the largest east of the Mississippi. I think our population. Um, I mean, I remember as a kid when they brought them back, and it's now bled down into Tennessee. You know, they're they're in uh, West Virginia and Virginia now. And I, I, you know, I hear numbers all over the place, but I think it's probably safe to say 10 to 15,000 in, in southeastern and eastern Kentucky. Yeah, it's a hell of a conservation success story, no doubt. Yeah, it is. Um, let's do this. Let's take let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back, and then I really want to hit on this awesome sweepstakes that we've all partnered up. Uh, let our audience know about that. Sound good? Yep. Cool. Yep. Perfect. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. You know, Josh and Becky Gunther, they've been taking care of all of my taxidermy needs for, I can't even remember, it's been almost a decade. They do amazing work, whether that's a whitetail, an exotic, an entire African safari, a speckled trout, you name it. You want a a replica of your 10-pound bass, they do that too. They offer fast turnaround time, and they answer the phone when you call. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. They've got shops in Marion and San Antonio. To better serve you. That's GR, the number eight mounts.com. Up next, we'll get into the details of this awesome grand prize hunt package that one of you guys is going to win. We discuss next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Guess I'll meet you in the middle. Hi, I'm Luke Anderson, the owner of Colt Construction. I'm also a proud outdoorsman and proud to support the Lone Star Outdoor Show. With roots dating back generations of hard work in the outdoors, I take pride in serving the citizens of the Lone Star State. There are tons of so-called roofing contractors in North Texas, but having a qualified, experienced, trustworthy one to deal with is few and far between. We want to be your one-stop shop to leave it better than we found it and have a relationship that goes past just improving your home or business. We run on three main principles, quality, because quality comes with a price. We want to do it right the first time and use the best materials. Integrity, because you want to know the true condition of your home or business. And I'm going to be honest and tell you exactly what I think. Grit, because I've swung the hammer. Bottom to top, I've done the labor. I know how the system works. We specialize in many different systems, including metal, clay tile, flat roofing, and good old shingles. You can find us at coltbuilds.com, our Facebook page, or our phone number is 817-789-7588. Colt Construction, dirty hands, clean money, your blue-collar guy to call. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org.
shake the foundation. That is the band of heathens bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've got a great roundtable discussion going here today. Uh, so we're going to jump back into it momentarily with Brad Luttrell of Go Wild, uh, Ross Kofferman of First Light, and outfitter Jordan Budd, who uh, one of y'all will be going hunting with in the very near future. Oh, and I'll also be on that trip. And we'll get into the nitty-gritty details of that awesome hunt package here momentarily. But first, I do want to remind you that this segment is proudly brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. Of course, they make deer feeders and deer blinds. They also make feeders for other wildlife, bird feeders and fish feeders. If you're trying to grow big bass, uh, maybe you're stocking your pond with crappie or catfish, Here's what you do. You get the damn fish feeder from All Seasons Feeders. You put the damn fish feeder on your damn dam and you feed your damn fish. It's that damn easy. And you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. With that being said, uh, let's pick it back up here with Brad, Ross, and Jordan. I appreciate y'all sticking around through the break. You bet. No problem. Yeah, for sure. Happy to be here. Uh, so, Brad, this this specifically is going to be of interest to you and you and I have discussed over the years, social media censorship. And that's why, you know, ultimately we felt the need or you felt the need to create the go wild app and, and platform. Um, Instagram took it to a new level for me this week though, because I actually clicked on a video and there, it was someone, a video that someone else had posted. And, and for me, if I'm clicking on a video, it's going to be, you know, hunting or fishing content nine out of 10 times. And you know what the response was? It, it, it shot this little message back to me that says, you can't view this video because you have chosen not to view this type of content. And I was like, I saw, what? I saw you posting about that. What in the hell? Yeah. I post this kind of content. I don't choose not to view it. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know where on the Instagram app I signed up for that kind of censorship, but uh, I was, I mean, that was mind blowing. Tell me, of course, they censor a lot of our content, you know, um, and they're even censoring just like phone scope footage of just animals, not even getting shot, just scouting footage these days. So um, anyway, that just got me thinking, man, I hope more and more people are going over to Go Wild. I'm going to let you talk a little bit about Go Wild for anyone who's not familiar with it. Yeah, for sure. And, and more and more people are coming on. I mean, I think through our partnerships with Garmin and First Light, National Wild Turkey Federation, people are learning about us. You know, we're still young, man. You got to remember, um, you know, we're we're 17 months out of our beta testing, so we're still we're we're really just coming into our second full hunting season here as a company. So um, still much to be done. And we did start very much in that mindset of there has to be a better way to communicate with people um, to get away from some of the criticism and, and misunderstandings that people have of hunting and even fishing. I mean, you see people, um, criticizing the fishermen too. It go, it really does go full circle. And I like to think of the platform now though, as, as really what we're trying to be is just this full circle loop of, of functionality for the outdoors enthusiasts, not just a safe place. I mean, we're trying to provide something that's of value beyond the safe place. And with the activity tracking, you know, you, uh, you can use your, your Garmin watch or your phone to, to track your hunt, your mileage, your elevation change. And, we're not necessarily trying to get you there on the map. We're trying to help document your story. So, I mean, a cool example of that was that when I was up in 
Michigan fishing, you can see my heart rate riding at like 60 beats per minute. And then all of a sudden it shoots up to 120. Hmm. And then there, a few seconds later on the timeline, you can see a picture of me holding the, the big, you know, it's like a eight or nine pound catfish that I caught. Um, and, and it's fun because it adds a layer of data in there. So, you know, we're, we're really trying to innovate and, in, and in the way that people are telling their story and the way they're able to tell that story, which I think is your first point of who you're able to connect with. And, um, instead of reducing that reach and the content you're finding, we're trying to empower you to find people like you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Why do you think folks are afraid to leave other social media platforms, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or what have you? in favor of a place like go wild. Yeah. I mean, that's a psychological question. You get so much committed into something and it feels like you've built something and, and it's hard to leave. Uh, I just recently, I closed my Facebook account in December uh, because I, I had been there really since the beginning. Uh, I think I joined in 2005 the company started in 2004 and I realized it, it felt like it was going to be hard to do because you get so attached to this stuff. But um, you know, really, I think one of the biggest reasons people, and I hear this even from brands that don't understand how we operate, it's it's that they're not going to get the engagement. But the, the cool thing about Go Wild is when you join, you don't need followers. We're actually a platform where if you post into the elk hunting trail, then everybody that follows elk hunting can see your content. So people that have no followers come in to go out and they'll join and they can ask a question. And I've seen some of these posts, I kid you not, they'll get 50 replies within the first 48 hours. Of, if they're asking a question about uh, how to muzzleloader hunt or, or something about archery, um, you know, five to 10 comments on a first post is not uncommon. So I think there's a misconception of you have to start over and in order to get the value out of it when actually instantaneously I see brands and users alike joining and getting better engagement through us than, than what they're actually getting on their other platforms. But there's a psychological barrier in that I have something that I've built. I don't want to leave that behind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And and the interaction you're going to get on Go Wild is going to be uh, more authentic because these people are, you know, they're searching elk, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. They probably just, oh, this guy likes to hunt, but it's not very specialized as far as what your interests are, um, which is a cool feature yeah, about sure. Go Wild. I I saw a guy who's got 15,000 followers on Instagram post a question about uh, a bow site and, and he got 25 comments on it and he posted people's opinion on go wild and he got 75 comments and he's only got 200 followers. Like that's, that's hmm. the kind of stuff we're seeing all the time. If, if people use it well, you know, ha you can have a much lower, I call it low funnel conversations because people are really trying to figure out what gear to use, how to act uh, on a hunt, uh, like the best behavioral approach to stalking, whatever it is, you know, you can ask much more tactile questions on our platform and get really good answers because you, people are there for that kind of conversation versus like, Hey, that's a pretty picture. You know, we don't, we don't do the pretty picture thing. We don't have filters. We're, we're trying to help you tell your raw and real story and get good advice. Okay. Well, I want to switch gears and talk about this awesome sweepstakes that we've all partnered up with, uh, go wild here. And, why don't you give us a general overview of, of what's up for grabs, Brad, and then I'll have Jordan talk a little bit about the property, you know, where we're going to be hunting, uh, the caliber of deer that are there, and then we'll have Ross talk about First Light's involvement as well. Sure. Well, you know, when we first started talking to Ross, uh, you know, we really wanted to find a way. First Light's brand is a community. You see people who um, are, it's, it's, I don't, you compare it to a cult. Like they love this so much because it identifies with who they are. And our users are kind of like that. Uh, you know, they, they, 
they've I've had people tell me I've never wanted to buy an Instagram hat, but I love your all swag because it makes me feel like I'm a part of the community. So we saw an opportunity there to partner together and build something together and and reward these these loyal communities and what they love uh, with with a, a partnership that promotes both of those things together. And then the chance to bring in Jordan with with the type of hunts that uh, I've seen on her videos with um, some really respectable hunters that and, and animals that she's guided to and bring you in with you know a well-known presence that was something that is some you can't go out and buy that like we're, we're creating a memory here um, you can create a free go wild account you could get a hunt from jordan and you might be friends with cable and hunt with him and you might be able to buy first light but to do all this stuff together like that's an experience that's very unique right so so and in, in talking to ross we wanted to create something that was special, something that rewards back to his customers, our, our members, um, and, and even Jordan's customers and your listeners can all get involved in something that's just really special. So I'll let them talk about their products that are involved with this. But at the core of what we were trying to do was to just give back to our communities and something, you know, it doesn't cost them a thing to go do this or to, to, to sign up for it or anything. The app's free. You can sign up easily. Uh, all you got to do is get your email and phone number so we can notify you when, it, when it's all said and done. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's let uh, Jordan talk about her involvement, and um, and I'm certainly interested since I'm going to be going on this thing. Is you know where we're going, and uh, if it's a mule deer or whitetail hunt, I know our listeners are going to want to know about that. Uh, how do we acquire uh, tags in uh, that area? Can you break all that down for us, Jordan? Yeah, definitely. So uh, location-wise, we're in northwest Nebraska, about 30 miles east of Shadron, in a little town called Rushville, um, and then. The, we're actually in the sand hills. So, um, yeah, that's sort of a, a place that people could recognize as like the sand hills is kind of iconic. Um, we're on the, the north end of those. Uh, the Nyburn River runs right through our place. Basically, how the hunt will work is it's five days. How uh, the meals will be included, um, guiding, everything like that's all included. Um, tags are really easy to get, they're all over the counter in Nebraska. So, um, you don't have to put in for any draws or anything like that. Um, it's the, the tags are going to be super easy to get. And your tags are actually good for mule deer and whitetail. And this giveaway is going to be um, for a whitetail, but you'll also have, or for a mule deer, sorry. But you'll also have the whitetail option because your tag is good for both, and we do have both. Okay. Um, so that's kind of unique. Um, our, you know, our mule deer population, we don't have a big, population of mule deer for sure um and i would say our hunt i i've never sold our hunt as a trophy hunt for mule deer because it's just not um you know we just have never had the genetics for mule deer here to consistently take like you know 180 plus or 170 plus kind of in that trophy range but you know we have we'll see mule deer bucks every day we see um a bunch of whitetail every day dang like um you know this late season that's another thing too is kind of the season we we're talking about doing this giveaway for is going to be for the muzzleloader season which is the entire month of december um so it's kind of that later season and then um you can also just kind of depending on who draws or you know who wins the hunt we can even do accommodate archery so um, an archery runs from September 1 all the way through the end of December. So we have a little bit of flexibility there, just kind of depending on um, who wins it and what their skill set is and kind of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, your tag will be good for both, and then we can kind of – we can really cater to whatever, you know, whoever wins it, really. 
Okay. And you, you mentioned earlier those those famous sand hills of Nebraska. Um, this is going to be a spot and stock style hunt. Yeah, so it will probably be a spot and stock style hunt. We might utilize blinds a little bit, but for the most part, it's open enough and there's enough broken terrain that we can just do spot and stock, even on whitetails, which makes it uh, really unique is you can still hunt whitetail, but kind of in a Western setting. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I'm certainly excited about that. I've uh, I've never hunted in your part of the world, so uh, that'll be a first for me. Um, let's talk about uh, First Light's involvement, Ross. You want to take the uh, take the wheel here? Yeah, I mean, for us, to Brad's point, it was kind of a no-brainer. Um, I'll go back to really quickly. One thing he touched on. I mean, First Light is obviously um, a very community-oriented brand, in that we try and include um, you know all sorts of hunters, right? Um, very conservation-oriented, obviously. Uh, but one thing about Brad's platform at Go Wild, when we were first kind of looking at it and talking to each other, the thing that I noticed about it is, to his point, the comments on any given thread are always positive and always constructive. It seems to be a much more, um, I don't know, effective means, effective platform for learning and, um, you know, communicating within the hunting industry as opposed to we've all seen it, whether it's on um, Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you get people who are, you know, quote unquote horn shaming or maybe making snide comments. And then you get the anti hunters chiming in all this sort of stuff. And it's really difficult maybe to, to facilitate a, a normal conversation Whereas Brad's platform. What we've seen, what we really like is that it's very supportive. So it's a really cool community. And once we kind of figured that out and, and did our homework, we're like, yeah, this, this thing's got legs. This is exactly the sort of place that First Light wants to be. So it was sort of a no-brainer. And then we started talking about the, um, the contest and um, what that would look like. I think I could be wrong, but I don't think so because I've been here for a long time. I think this is probably the biggest prize we've ever given away in that – you know, five day guided hunt with one of the best guides in the lower 48 in Jordan. Um, certainly one of the most renowned guides and obviously having cable coming along and then a full first light soup to nuts kit. Um, you know, that's, that's a pretty substantial prize. And I think, uh, this was the right place to play that card because we really want to become more involved with that community and support it as best we can. Absolutely. Yeah, and talk about that kit. So they're gonna they're gonna get covered head to toe in first light. Whoever wins. Yeah. So um, as we get closer, and quite frankly, I think we will probably reach out to Jordan outside of this uh, podcast and get her take on the conditions and whatnot. But the good news is, you know, with our merino um, wool base layer system. That is a system in and of itself that performs at, you know, 110%, um, whether you are pronghorn hunting, you know, 95 degree temperatures, or you're sitting in the sand in Wisconsin and it's single digits and 30 mile an hour winds, right? So Merino just adapts to anything. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, and then from there, we'll build on it with 
Jordan's guidance, you know, obviously some, some sort of pants, um, probably our Merino wool obsidian pants because they're the most adaptable uh, pants we have. And then outerwear, um, I'm sure there'll be some insulation in there and uh, we'll probably provide some, you know, rainwear or um, snow protection as the case may be, depending on what happens. And uh, yeah, basically it's going to be truly, um, you know, I see this thing being somewhere in the two to $3,000 range at MSRP, wow. depending on what we come up with. But yeah, whoever wins this thing is going to have pretty much everything under the sun that they need for um, anything that could possibly happen on this hunt. Well, they're going to have a hell of a season, whoever does win that, that's for sure. You know, I'm looking forward to uh, sitting around the campfire and, you know, just spending time with, with uh, you guys and then obviously the uh, the lucky person out there who wins as well. Um, you know, that's always... One of the things when you look back on a hunt, of course, yeah, you know, you have the memories of being in the field, but you come back from from that those experiences. We all go out, and I don't know if we we'll all hunt together or separate or what, but you come back at the end of the day and, and you reflect on those and, and you share it over a cold drink and a campfire, and uh, that's always a highlight for me. Definitely. I think uh, this whole experience, I think, I mean, um, it's all good people, right? And we we all know that hunting is 99% of 99% of it is either suffering or good timing it with your friends. Right. Um, you know, and then you have that 0.1% of actually harvesting something. So who you go with is obviously really critical. I'm sure we're all very careful about who we hunt with. And to me, you know, Jordan and Cable are two of the better people I'd like to go hunting with. And I think, uh, yeah, you're going to have that experience where you're after the hunt and it's just going to be, really positive and a lot of fun, hopefully a lot of laughter and um, good stories and what have you. Absolutely. Well, so let's, let's wrap things up here, Brad. Um, if you want to tell us one more time how folks can enter to win, and then uh, we'll let everybody give their, uh, their social media outlets as well so folks can follow along. But, uh, Brad, why don't you tell us again uh, how folks can enter? Sure. So download the Go Wild app. It's on Android or iOS. You, uh, and then once you're in, you'll start to, if, if you can't find it on the search, which is very easy to just search for First Light, you'll find on the uh, content side, and, and you'll find there's a post about it. And it's just going to ask you for uh, some simple information for us to be able to contact you. And it's a little form within the, the app. Now, if you don't see that, there's a good chance as you're using it. We've got ads running. There's a pop-up. We're trying to make sure that people get this opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, even though, uh, you know, we're still young, so your odds are actually are still good. It's not like this is going to be a one in a million shot. I mean, uh, I've been telling people like, hey, uh, you know, much better than my odds with the elk hunting. Let's just say that. <laughs> right. So, um, <laughs> so download Go Wild, search for First Light. You'll find the, the there's a, it'll look a little bit different than a normal post, and it'll say sweepstakes on it. And uh, Western Hunt Sweepstakes, I believe, is what it's called. So click that. It's right there. There's a nice link to it to pull you up to that. And then um, I'm on Go Wild. Uh, you know, Brad, find me on Brad, uh, Brad Luttrell. You'll get a message from me when you sign up for the app that just kind of asks you how it's going. Um, that one's automated, but if you reply to it, you'll get the real me. So <laughs> we obviously sign up so many. There's a lot of people signing up, so it's hard for me to keep up with actually sending them. But I really do reply to every user who uh, re responds to my message. So I'll be there to help you find it if you can't. And then, uh, I, you know, Go Wild is on pretty much, I think it's, uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Go Wild App if you want to follow us outside of the Go Wild App platform. Right on. And uh, Jordan? 
Yeah, so my personal Instagram is uh, just at jordan.bud on, on Instagram, and then I'm on Go Wild as well. And then, you know, kind of more for the, the outfitting, just runningwaterhunting.com is our website if you want to check out, like, pictures, um, uh, pictures of the place, pictures of what we've taken before, pictures of the, the lodge, the house. And, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it with us. And Ross. Yeah, I mean, you can follow First Light and all the normal vehicles. And then we really encourage people, um, sounds odd, but we really, really enjoy talking to our customers, um, which is kind of old school. But if you hop on our site at firstlight.com, you can either chat with us there or um, give us a call. And uh, that's how we prefer to do business with some personal contact and getting to know you and particularly getting to know what you're after and understanding your situation. All of our folks that you're going to be talking to in any of those vehicles are all very, very experienced hunters. We have several um, guides on our customer service staff, and these guys know what they're talking about, so they can be really, really helpful, and we really encourage that sort of uh, interaction with our customers. Perfect. It's been a pleasure visiting with with all three of y'all. Thanks for the time today, and I am looking forward to uh, the winter of 2020 when we're all going to be in camp together. It's going to be awesome. Definitely. Thank you, Cable. All right. I was going. Thank you, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Take care. So there they go. Brad Luttrell of Go Wild, Ross Copperman of First Light. And that was Ross laughing there because I don't think he's actually going to be the one that gets to go uh, from First Light, but he sure would love to. I guarantee you that. And then also Jordan Budd, the outfitter that uh, we will be hunting with. So make sure you enter. Uh, just go over to the Go Wild app, search sweepstakes, get yourself entered for a chance to win a freaking sweet mule deer hunt and also be outfitted head to toe in your own first light kit. Uh, that segment of the show was proudly brought to you by the new Pulsar Thermion Thermal Rifle Scope. Unlike uh, all the other thermals out there that you've seen traditionally, the Thermion mounts on any 30 millimeter rings. So if you're a bolt action guy, Perfect. You want to throw it on an AR, still functional. And it's got all the perks, uh, the internal recording, all that good stuff that you've come to expect from Pulsar. And that doesn't even, you know, go into the image quality. Uh, check it out. It's the Pulsar Thermion. Use my promo code LONESTAR and you'll save 20% off your entire order when you uh, head over to PulsarNV.com. All right. We will take a quick break here when we come back. We're going to head down to the coast and take a look at some regulatory changes regarding speckled trout, shark, uh, red snapper, and who knows what else. Coastal Fisheries Director Robin Rikers of TPWD jumps on right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Turn me loose, set me free, somewhere in the middle of Montana. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Nobody gonna break my soul. Words cut deep, but they can't take hold. I'm shining a lot of new money on the other side. Come out swinging, faces lightning, thinking can't stop me. Mama guns are blazing. Go on, let me live my simple life. I 
Safari Club, Cable Smith here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. Uh, we are rocking and rolling, about to head down to the Gulf of Mexico, visit with our Coastal Fisheries Director, Robin Rikers from Texas Parks and Wildlife, our longtime friend. Uh, there's some big changes regarding the uh, speckled trout fishery, and we're going to dive into that momentarily. But first, this segment proudly brought to you by Vortex Optics and the Razer HD 4000 Laser Rangefinder. That's right. It is uh, brand spanking new. I guess it's been out for a couple months now. I just got my hands on one. I'm taking it to Montana next week for my archery elk hunt, and I'll be using it throughout the season and for the foreseeable future. It's the best rangefinder I've ever got my grubby little hands on. You should check it out. You can find the Razer HD 4000 at VortexOptics.com. They've also got the best customer service and the only lifetime transferable warranty in the industry. Check it out. Vortex, the force of optics. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and bring on our old buddy, our old pal, Robin Rikers, our Coastal Fisheries Director. Robin, thanks for being here, man. Well, thanks for having me. I'm always glad to do it. My pleasure. So, first of all, how was your summer? Uh, well, summer's been really good here in the, in the, in in Austin Department Coastal Fisheries. We got uh, got some weather early in the summer that got us off to a, a quicker start on red snapper fishing, but uh, and thus we had to close a little earlier. But uh, that's uh, that's preferred over the the past alternatives of a ten day season. So we're still happy about that. Yeah, no doubt. And I do want to talk more in depth about red snapper, but uh, first, I want I want to discuss our trout fishery. You know, we've had a couple things really change here in the last five years. We started out in 2014 with a uh, reduced bag limit from 10 to 5 fish per angler on the lower and middle coast. And on September 1st, that will go into effect statewide. So a, a something that everyone needs to be aware of is now um, the entire coastline is a 5 fish uh, speckled trout limit. So I guess the obvious question is, what did a four-year sample size prove from the reduced limit on the lower and mid-coast uh, you know, that would lead you to make this decision statewide? Well, certainly, you know, we even have a longer sample size in that lower Laguna Madre area where we've had it for, for even a longer period of time. But mm -hmm. what, it, what it basically showed us was um, that with leaving more fish in the water, some of those fish typically normally get to larger sizes, and so people are catching. They're both getting more hookups. They're catching more fish, uh, and and in fact, the size of of those fish have increased in in those systems as well. The other part that I think is real interesting is that uh, anglers really supported this notion uh, after doing it in that mid coast area. Uh, so many of them saw the benefits that that even those folks in Galveston and of course as you move to Sabine, not quite as much support, but still um, a majority of anglers wanted to make that move, and and so that's a real conservation ethic kind of coming into play as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you say that people are catching bigger trout. How do you how do you measure that stat? 
we we you know at our uh, we have what we call public boat ramp surveys where people are coming off the water and we basically take th- their fish and we measure them. We do over a thousand survey sites a year doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we interview over fourteen thousand anglers a year. So uh, you know we've got a, a a data set that stretches back for almost forty years doing that. And so we can really look year by year by year and see what those impacts are. And especially as we make these rule changes, we can, we can measure both in what's happening in the krill as well as we get to see based on our biological sampling what's happening in the water also okay well you know i'll be the first to admit that i don't need to keep 10 trout a day Um, but some folks you know they travel to the coast a couple times a year and they want to fill that freezer up but i think the the downside to that robin is you know fish doesn't really keep as long as say venison or other wild game and i you know i'm a passionate outdoor chef i love cooking my catch or my kill, uh, but I've seen it. You know, a lot. It, it ends up being a lot of trout fillets just get tossed in the trash, and uh, and we hate to say that, but I've seen other people do it. I've had some that get freezer burned, and uh, it's not like like I said. I, I think last week I ate a Gimsbuck steak that I killed in 2015. I'm not eating any trout that I caught in 2015. Well, certainly anecdotally we hear that as well, and 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 again, it's just a change in mindset um, that you've seen. Um, along the Texas coast, you know, as as you may recall, years and years ago, it was the mindset you bring home um, as many fish as you can, and and people are are that mindset starting to change, has changed some, and will continue to change. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a great thing. I do want to ask you this though. So there's more trout in the water. Uh, what about their food sources? I mean, how does that impact uh, bait fish and uh, shrimp and all all these other uh, things that, that trout like to consume. Well, that's interesting you you brought that up because one of the things that that we see, and you know, that's a whole food web kind of kind of effort there uh-huh. when we look at these things. But based on our our gillnet sampling and our bag seine sampling and the samples we take continuously through time, we've got a greater variety and diversity of species out there than we've ever seen. Um, and, you know, some of it is changes that we've made, um, you know, with less bycatch associated with shrimp trawls. More of those those uh, critters are staying in the water as well um, and not getting caught at earlier times as bycatch. And so, um, you know, that, that total biomass has grown also, uh, even as we've made these changes for, for red drum, spotted sea trout, and other key higher-level species. Okay, okay. Now, the backlash coming from fishing guides, I imagine, would be from the Sabine Lake area because, I mean, you look, that that, that, that lake is partly in Texas, partly in Louisiana. On the Louisiana side, you can keep 15 fish. Well, for those people that do want to fill the freezer, that sounds a lot more appealing than five fish. So I imagine some of the guys down there uh, probably don't don't share the sentiment of, of the uh, reduced bag limit. Certainly, that's probably fair to say. And, and, you know, when we manage these border waters, that's always an issue that we have to deal with is is regulations on one side sometimes not matching what's going on on the other side. Um, we, we've always been a little more conservative in our approach than, than Louisiana, though I might add Louisiana's looking at their spotted sea trout limits right now as, as they've um, uh, basically done some analysis to suggest that they need to be lowering those. Hmm. I think uh, more conservative is an understatement. I mean, you can bow fish redfish in Louisiana. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, it seems like their fishery is doing okay, but that's uh, that's mind-blowing coming from someone who you know, fishes Texas waters. 
Well, they just have such a tremendous estuary over there, as you know, having yeah. spent time over there, that they, 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 they can produce a lot of fish. That is true. That is true. You know, we, we talked about 2014. In 2014, we discussed the, the reduced limit in the, the lower and mid-coast. Um, and one of the things that I thought was going to happen is anglers, you know, calling out smaller trout out of the cooler that might be you know, either dead or, or close to death, and they're just throwing back in the water. Is that something that was actually seen by, I don't know if it would be game wardens or if you guys had any, any way to monitor that, but um, was that actually realized? We don't have a, a great way of monitoring that. Um, I, you know, we, we get some anecdotal reports of that. Law enforcement could could in fact see that as as they're patrolling possibly. Uh, but what we can do is is look just at our abundance and determine whether or not we we you know we've seen a negative impact in in abundance regarding having more fish killed or thrown back in that way. And the answer is we really haven't seen that. So it does seem like people are abiding by the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and more importantly, uh, the the change in rules are having the impact that we thought they would have. So, uh, you know, either way, if you, if you, if you have the bag limit higher and they take those fish home or they throw them back, you know, there will be, there, there could be mortality with that, but, um, best we can tell people are abiding by the rules. Well, and I would expect them to do so, but there, there's always that fear of, Oh man, look at, you know, let's get rid of this, this barely legal fish and keep this 20 incher, you know? Um, yeah. what about the financial impact on, some of these coastal towns that are really fishing towns. Did we see any, I mean, did fishing guides report booking less trips on the uh, lower and mid coast? I hadn't heard that from fishing guides and, and certainly from our level of measure of participation and, and, and for guides, we don't necessarily measure them separately. We measure them in that whole angler population. Um, um, we basically haven't seen any downward trends in participation. Okay. What about the overall vitality of our speckled trout fishery? Is it is it doing well? I mean, it seems like uh, for for any angler that goes to the coast, uh, that's the easiest fish to catch. They'll hit live bait, dead bait. They'll hit artificials, and they're you know they seem to be everywhere. Yeah, both for for spotted sea trout, frankly, and red drum as well. The you know two of our keystone fisheries uh, both are at or near all-time highs in most of our bay systems um, since we've been measuring it it which is now over 35 years so um, no our populations are doing well um, obviously the angling population has increased so the pressure is greater on those fish but we're managing to still manage for a, a really good robust fishery so so fishing pressure is the I guess the number one factor for these regulatory changes? Yeah, certainly fishing pressure that we've seen in the past and even anticipating what's going to happen in the future, yes. Okay. Well, I, you know, I'll just go on the record as saying I, I totally support the five fish limit. Um, I think it's a good thing, and it's, you know, it's preemptive. We don't want to go down a road where you know, we have overfished our, uh, our trout fishery because it is such a great resource. No, you're exactly right. I mean, it's this is um, um, you know we we have a great fishery. We we get a lot of tourism out of that fishery from from different states as well as different parts of Texas coming to the coast, um, and you know that's really what we're we're about is both a quality experience, uh, but you know obviously people still want to take some fish home, and a five fish bag limit allows you to do that.
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk about our red snapper. Sound good? It sounds good. Excellent. And that segment of the show, by the way, proudly brought to you by Rudy's True Texas Style Barbecue, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And of course, while you're there, grab a nice cold Lone Star beer to wash it all down. Rudy's True Texas Style Barbecue. We will be right back with more from Coastal Fisheries Director Robin Rikers of Texas Parks and Wildlife. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey y'all, spring is here, and that means a lot of things, but specifically, your lawn is about to become your own worst nightmare. That's why I use JC's Landscaping. They do everything from lawn and landscape maintenance to fertilization and weed control. New premium sod installations. Hey, you need a French drain? I had to have them put in a French drain a couple years ago. They do that too. Landscaping updates, makeovers, stone borders, patios, and much more. Serving the North Dallas and surrounding areas, you can find them at jclandscapingllc.com and tell them Cable sent you. Mother, Mother Ocean, I have heard you call, wanted to sail upon your waters since I was three feet tall, you've seen it all, you've seen it all. That one's for all you parrot heads out there, a classic from Jimmy Buffett, uh, my favorite Buffett tune, no doubt. A pirate looks at 40. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thank you so much for being here today as we are actually talking coastal fishing and uh, getting that salt spray in our faces here this morning with our good friend and Texas Parks and Wildlife Coastal Fisheries Director, Robin Rikers. We're going to shift into some red snapper discussion here momentarily. But first, this segment is proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club the worldwide leader in big game conservation. They put their money where their mouth is time after time, and they are passionate about hunters' rights, education, and conservation. To get plugged in with this great group of folks, I'm a member, proud member myself. Uh, you can find us at biggame.org. With that being said, let's jump back into things here with our longtime friend and TPWD Coastal Fisheries Director, Robin Rikers. Thanks for sticking around. No problem. I'm, again, glad I could do it. So we're going to talk about red snapper, but uh, one other regulatory change I saw regarding our shark fishery, which isn't really closely monitored like uh, most of our other sport fish are, uh, but there is a there is something there uh, just so that people know regarding the hooks and what is legal and what isn't yeah it's a shift to a circle hook from a j hook uh matching the 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 regulations that national marine fishery service has put in place for for the shark fishery and uh, again we match that trying to meet some of the long-term rebuilding goals of, of some of the species uh dealing with sharks and of course uh, as you suggest, it's it's a popular fishery on our beachfronts, uh, but but it's less monitored than maybe some others. Yeah. Well, so and why switch to the the circle hook? They basically uh, allow for release to occur and more more fish to survive when released. So that's that's why they're doing that. Okay, that makes total sense. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I actually I can't remember his name. It's been a couple of years, but uh, whoever 
handles the shark fishery from your division. We've had him on, and um, he actually said our shark fishery is doing really well compared to a lot of other places. It is. We we have a good shark fishery. Uh, certainly, the, the the fishery in the Gulf Coast or in the Gulf of Mexico is probably better off than some some of the shark fisheries in other places. But of course, um, they're managed as as a, a species that that basically are they're managed kind of at an international level because how how migratory they are as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, again, just for simplicity, we try to match the federal regulations as much as we can uh, when we can. Well, it doesn't seem like we are as affected by the demand for shark fin soup as, say, some other places. Uh, well, and of course, some uh, legislation that was passed two legislative sessions ago basically even reduced the amount of trafficking of shark fins that we can have here in the state of Texas. It was already uh, federal regulations regarding that, but but specifically some Texas state laws been passed where you can't even uh, transport uh, the shark through the state, and, and shark fins cannot come through the state. Uh-huh. Do we see a lot of pressure from long lines and stuff like that uh, from Mexican fishermen. You know the the launches, as we call them, the small boats that come up from Mexico and 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 fish in our waters, um, basically illegally. Um, um, we we do continue to see a lot of fishing pressure, and it does seem like they've even come further north than they might have done in in sometimes in the past. Um, they were were big into shark fishing for a while. Some of them, or it seems like they now maybe are also getting more into red snapper fishing. But but it's a continued battle that our law enforcement uh, group basically uh, works on every day down on the lower coast. And those long lines are they're indiscriminate killers. I mean, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a shark or a snapper or a barracuda or whatever hits the hook. I mean, it takes the bait. That's uh, it's gonna die. That that's correct. I mean, and and as you say, they're they're put out, and and they also use gill nets down in that area on the beachfront, uh, and and uh, they've uh, uh, it's a, it's a problem, and we continue to fight it. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, shift towards red snapper. This is something you and I have talked about. Gosh, uh, seems like for a decade now, as Texas has fought like hell to give anglers more of an opportunity to catch snapper in federal waters and we've seen it you know i've seen it personally uh when we go offshore catch bigger fish more fish we've got a vibrant snapper fishery but yet um it's managed or it has previously been managed as a you know an entire gulf coast population from florida to texas which just doesn't make sense because while these fish might migrate from one reef to the next they're not migrating from from florida to texas and vice versa uh, so talk about how and when Texas actually gained some control over that. Um, because, you know, we've seen it, <laughs> 10-day seasons, it's laughable. And that, that stuff does affect those small fishing towns um, when folks cannot go out and catch red snapper. You've got a 10-day season, the wind's blowing 10 miles an hour, two biggest swells to go out, and boom, you, you know, you might not even get to go one time. No, you're you're exactly right, and and we really had an opportunity last season, and this was the second year of that to mm-hmm. basically um, take a percentage of the allocation that's across the Gulf. We're still managed as one unit, but they basically we we were able to carve it up into five different allocations. Uh, we got our share, and and we now get to manage our fishery as long as we meet that that poundage allotment. 
or, or get as close to it as we can. I mean, we're trying to get as close to it. Uh, other people might prefer us not to, but but we're given that amount of poundage, and we can open for the number of days that, that we think our fishery can go. It's still not the holy grail of regional management, would be, which, which would be the ability to manage off the biology off your coast. Mm-hmm. But, but it's better than it was, and, and yes, we're now not impacted by what's going on in Florida and thus having 10-day seasons. We're, we're, we were able to have a, in this case, we, pro- we projected greater than 90-day season, because everybody got out early, we only had a 62-day season, but it's still as compared to three and four years ago when we were 10 days. And, of course, you may recall the year we were going to have only three days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but then it was – fortunately, Secretary of Commerce stepped in, and we did get more more, more weekend days that year. But Yeah, and so the overall poundage is – correct me if I'm wrong, but that includes – commercial fishery uh, fishing too yes it does it, 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 it now that's split up between commercial and recreational um, you know but but the overall poundage that you can catch that is allowable includes both commercial and recreational okay I wonder I don't know and you might not even know this but I wonder what uh, what is say a fisherman commercial fisher and um, does he get paid by the pound on those snapper y- yes the they get paid by the pound okay yes yeah uh, that's, uh... And that's part of what's happened with this snapper fishery is it's rebounded. All of these fish have gotten larger. They've even gotten larger off of our coast yeah. as well. And so there is a, a lot of discussion about the the way this works. It really doesn't account for the size of the fish getting ba- bigger as well as the the movement of red snapper into areas that just hadn't seen them before. Um, you know, there's parts of the lower part of Florida that used to not have a lot of fish, and now they have lots of fish. Huh. And so, um, you know, kind of the modeling efforts that are used to, to manage these fisheries don't really take into account those changes in range that we've seen as well. Interesting. Well, um, here's a curveball for you. This We're talking about Florida, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask you about this, but uh, I've covered in detail the invasive lionfish and, you know, some of the stuff they're trying to do to combat that fish is uh, spread. Are, are we seeing a lot of lionfish show up off the Texas coast? We we do. I mean, we do have them, certainly. We, we've we seen them. Um, we may not have them in the numbers that Florida has them. It's, a, it's an issue we're fighting as well. Florida, I know, has promoted special tournaments uh, mm-hmm. because of our depth of water and because of visibility. You know, those kinds of activities may not work quite as well over here, but we certainly are, are basically asking people, if you see one, you catch one, you know, get rid of it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but, but again, we, we definitely have them off the Texas coast. Okay. As far as the, the research, going back to Red Snapper, uh, we're getting close to wrapping up here, but... Uh, how do you guys keep tabs on that fishery? Yeah, same kind of um, activities that we do, kind of in our bays, uh, but but not, frankly, not as in depth or not as comprehensive, um, just because of the, because of depth of water and so forth. But it it basically is what we call fishery independent, which is sampling that's done the same way each and every time through through a time series, you know, for as many years as you might have been able to do it to give you an idea of whether the fishery's going up or down. Um, and that's kind of the raw data that goes into that, as well as the catch data that we measure at public boat ramps and anglers are coming in with their catches. So we use both of those things. And of course, that gets wrapped up across all five Gulf states and then gets into this big modeling exercise that basically 
um, tries to put that all together and look at what is biomass doing, uh, what are recruits doing, are we getting more recruits in the fishery each year? And when I say recruit, that's a young of the year coming into the fishery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a it's a very data intensive effort that goes along. Uh, but there's a lot of questions about that model, as you might suggest. Does it really account for hard spots uh, that otherwise, you know, aren't aren't natural reef areas? But for instance, oil and gas platforms, oil and gas pipelines. Uh, how is that accounted for in that when when it's more spotty? Um, and so we try to do the best we can. Uh, again, it's a it's a big effort, uh, but all all indications are biomass is going up. So that's a good thing. And then, of course, folks can still catch their four red snapper in in Texas waters as well. Yes, even though our federal season closed, our state season, we, we, we set aside enough poundage so that we can try to maintain that state season, which we've maintained for a very long time. Uh, and it does give fishing opportunity. And so uh, right now we're projecting that that season will will be able to remain open all the way to, to December 31st. And, and uh, if that changes, we'll let folks know. But, but yeah, you can still go out inside nine nautical miles and catch your four fish. Well, I certainly appreciate it, Robin. Always great visiting with you. And I look forward to our, our next discussion. Well, I always appreciate it. And, and thank you for the opportunity. Well, there he goes, Texas Parks and Wildlife Coastal Fisheries Director and our good buddy Robin Rikers. Uh, hope y'all found that interesting. I certainly always enjoy discussing what's going on with uh, all of our sport fish species that can be found in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, that segment of the presentation probably brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit Land. Yep, that's the one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping their borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you, and all you need to do is go to LoneStarAgCredit.com for more info. Uh, Unfortunately, we got to go. Got to get out of here. Do want to say thanks to all of our guests today. Of course, Robin, as well as First Light's Ross Copperman. Uh, outfitter Jordan Budd and Go Wild's Brad Luttrell. Uh, we will do it again, same time, same place next week. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying, Y'all have a great week in the outdoors. You sure can't tame a rattlesnake. A little West Texas tornado took me for a whirl. She came walking straight out of my dreams. There goes my cowgirl.